You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Geno looks, going to lay it up over the top. Got a man out there. It is locking. He has got it. Touchdown, Seahawks. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. First and 10 at the Seattle 40. Play fake Stafford. Going to stop. Going to look. Gets hit. Goes down. Back in midfield. Getting to him in the backfield is Daryl Taylor. Presented by Delta, the official airline of the Seahawks. Now, here's your host, Jen Mueller. We get to talk about the NFC West leading Seattle Seahawks today, John Boyle. Love it. I do love this. You know what else I realized? First of all, I love hearing from folks who are listening to the podcast because I always assume it's just you and I talking to each other. Yeah. So there's that. So I mean, maybe my parents listening, but that's probably right. right. So if you have sent me a note saying that you are listening to the podcast, thank you very much. We appreciate it. You know what else I kind of realized and I took for granted? I mean, we're called the Seahawks Insiders. Yes. I don't think we've ever told people how long we've been on this beat. It's been a bit. Yeah. I've been here with the team since 2015, but I was on the beat since 2009. So 2009 pre, was pre my, Pete Carroll. Yeah, 2009 was my first year on the sidelines. So this is year 15 for me on the sidelines. But I was close to the team and covering the team for six years prior to that. Yeah, I'm not doing any more math. That's that is the extent we'll of my math. We'll just say it's been a while. I say that. Because we really do understand why this team feels different from other teams. And the conversation around Leonard Williams and the conversation about where you are in the division at this point, I will not make a comparison to any other team in Seahawks past because I really just don't like comps. Mm -hmm. But I think you and I can both say with great certainty, there is a different feel in this locker room right now and around this team around where they could go. Yeah, and I think I feel like we've talked about this once before on this podcast, but to me it's an extension of what started last year. It was you made a bunch of big changes to the locker room, a couple of big names left, although one of them, Bobby Wagner, is back now. Um, and then you bring in this infusion of young talent, a great draft class, and then boom, you go out and do it again. You've got another really good draft class. You brought in a bunch of talent, and it just the energy in that locker room, the expectations are high. It's it's There's a lot of fun things happening right now. You talk about the draft talent and the young talent. How about this? Last week, Seattle started with 29 players on its roster who are 25 years old or younger. That is the seventh most in the NFL. So that speaks to kind of the youth and the up and coming. But look at how many key contributors you have from the last two draft classes. I think it's 15 right now Mm -hmm. that are starting or in significant significant roles. roles. For the team. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to overstate how big that is for this team's future. And it's it's funny, one thing I've heard people, you know, somewhat fairly say a second-round pick is a lot to give up, and maybe that complaint, but it's a lot easier to give up a second-round pick when you're coming off two draft classes of this caliber. It's, you know, if you're an aging roster and you're going to have a lot of holes to fill, it's a little more scary to give that pick up. But, like, guys coming in these next couple of years in draft class, they're going to have a hard time, and we've seen this before, you know, a decade ago, when you start getting this loaded young roster, it's hard for the next draft classes to come in and step in and win roles. So I got no problem with taking a swing the way the Seahawks did. We'll get more into that later. But yeah, well, just, it's it, like it you were reading in, my mind because yeah. you never actually said the name Leonard Williams. We're talking about the Leonard Williams trade. 
right? And to your point, I went back and I looked at the size of the Seahawks draft classes. And I started looking at not just size of draft class, but key contributors. And man, there are a lot of guys in the draft classes for like 2013, 14. I'm not going to say 15 because you got Frank Clark and you got Tyler Lockett in that draft class. But 16, you're like, oh, I remember that name. I don't think he's still in the league. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, yeah, they, they weren't key contributors. You're right. You have spent the last two draft classes stocking up. I, I, I've got enough potential and talent. I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm bringing Leonard Floyd in here to be a playmaker. Leonard and Williams. Did I say Leonard Floyd? You did. Shoot, Leonard Williams. You're bringing in somebody to be a playmaker, to be another veteran. Yes. Interesting how many vets you have on the defensive side of things. But gosh, I'm just excited to see him go. And you know what? I'm pretty sure Pete Carroll shares my excitement and maybe a little bit more. Well, this is about as, as, as fun as it gets, you know, uh, to get a player of, of this magnitude, uh, the makeup of the kid, the guy he is that, he, that you bring in, into your locker room, amazing you know, leader and all of that, tremendous effort guy and, you know, everyday worker, all, the whole thing. There's so many positives, um, but it's, it's just it's, it's a real boost to us, you know, and, and uh, we'll move some stuff around, figure it out, how it's all going to fit together. But uh, it's a real positive and our guys are really excited about it. First off, I like that to Pete Carroll, a nine-year veteran, is still a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't everybody a kid to Pete? Exactly. Uh, no, and I mean, the one other point I'll make, and Pete Carroll talked about this on Monday when the trade was uh, agreed upon before it became official, is like these impact defensive linemen are very hard to acquire. There's a, I mean, it's so rare for a person to be that big and physical and athletic that when those guys become available, they're top five picks, top ten picks, and it's a good thing that the Seahawks have not had those picks under Pete Carroll and Josh Schneider because they don't have these terrible seasons. So sometimes if you want to go get a guy of Leonard Williams' caliber, you got to take a swing and give up some draft capital to do it. Well, and he came into the league in, what, 2015? Yes. So you start to worry about how much wear and tear. But here's the other thing. I don't need you to play 100% of the no, snaps, that's... right? I, I, Jaron Reed's playing over 65% of the snaps. Draymond played over 64% of the snaps, I think, in this last game. Those are the numbers that I wrote down. Here's the other thing I wrote down. You've got 10 games in 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. You don't get any other help. Like, this is your help. There's no other break. There's nothing coming. Yeah. You're going to have to figure this out for 10 yeah, weeks. It's, they really like what they've seen from all the guys up front so far, but it's not just the the pure talent and playmaking ability that Williams brings. It's just that depth of, you know, you can take a little bit more off the plate of those guys down the stretch if you need it. You can, you know, it gives you obviously insurance should any injuries come up of an extra really good guy. Just it's, you know, it's one thing if you go trade for an offensive lineman, you're like, okay, where's he fit in? Someone's probably losing their starting job. With the defensive line, so many guys rotate. It's just, okay, plug him into the rotation and it just makes you better all across the board. It was super fascinating to watch Pete at practice this week watching those pass rush drills because mm -hmm. those guys, and we've talked about it before, you've got to time up your rushes, right? And you're setting up rushes differently based on who's inside, who's outside, who you are playing next to. It was really interesting to watch how intensely Pete oh, was yeah. watching those drills and the communication that was taking place. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you've got some young guys up there. Derek Hall's coming off a great game. Boye Mafia has been on freaking fire, man. But yeah. But Williams, he kind of gets to run the show, yeah. especially if he's going to be lined up as a three-tech. Yeah, I mean, him, him, he'll be a lot like Jaron Reed in there where he's helping make everybody go and getting everything right inside. So, um, yeah, it, it, you know, it's we saw it at the beginning of this season when you have a bunch of new linemen, it takes them some time to c get used to playing off of each other. This is a little different because one guy added to the mix versus it was three new guys to start the year. So 
hopefully he's up to speed quickly. He's seen a lot of football. He's you know he's familiar with just about everything. So I think he'll be ready to roll and make an impact quickly. Yeah, and he is going to see a really good. Baltimore Ravens offense. The Seahawks are going to see a really great defense, but there's one more thing I want to bring up in relation to the trade. Yes. San Francisco. How much do you think San Francisco's recent stretch of three straight losses played into the Seahawks trade? And then how much do you think the Seahawks trade played into San Francisco's need to pick up somebody? Yeah, you know, even if the Seahawks weren't in first place right now, if San Francisco had maybe lost one or two of those, I still think they'd be in a similar mindset of, hey, we're going for it. We see ourselves as contenders. So I don't think necessarily that played into the decision to go out and be buyers, but obviously it makes everybody around here feel a little better about your chances when you climb into first place and all of a sudden it's not, we got to beat them twice to make up ground. It's, hey, we can take control of the division later in the season when we see them if we keep taking care of business. Yeah, well, here's my two narratives. Yes. The first narrative, when the Seahawks made the move, the message is just win, baby, win. Mm-hmm. Then when San Francisco— I think another team them, already claimed that. Well, I'm claiming it from the song that I like to sing at the gym while working out. Uh-huh. And last week Fair I enough. sang, and you told me not to do it again. So I will I would not never be tell doing you not to again. sing. I, I will I not be that. doing that again. The second message was San Francisco going, crap, we're going to fall <laughs> behind on this. If we don't make a move. That, yeah, I do think there's something ways. to be said for when one team acts, the other team be like, man, we got to take a swing do in something. there. Yeah. It, it is going to be an interesting uh, stretch here for Seattle, and it starts with Baltimore. You play the best defense in the league last week against the Cleveland Browns, and uh, this week, well, you get the second best defense in the league. Terrific athletes, speed, committed. Both their guys are really good. Queens were really good, you know, and they, and they, they fly around, flash around. I mean, this is just as, it's just as difficult and challenging as it gets, you know. The, the speed behind the, the, the good play they get from up front and the guys on the back end, they have an excellent secondary, you know, in the end. So, but they do their part to, to add to it all. I like Pete Carroll when he joked, they're getting a break this week because they go from the number one defense to the number, number two, two defense. But, I mean, look, it, <laughs> both of these defenses have been rolling. I, I saw a stat since week four. Seahawks are number one in points allowed, yards per play allowed, and sacks second in yards allowed. And the Ravens are either first or second in all of those categories along the Seahawks. So last month, these are the best two defenses in the NFL. Yeah, and I do think last week's numbers against Cleveland, they're a little bit skewed considering that the Browns ran for 155 yards against this defense. That is the most yards on the ground they've given up this year. However, that came on 40 attempts, which averages out to less than four yards a carry. And you knew Cleveland was going to run the ball. I mean, that that's what they are built to do. Yeah, to me, the yards per carry is a much bigger yes. indicator than the raw yardage. Because, look, if a team wants to just pound the ball all day and get three and a half yards of carry, defenses are going to be happy to allow that because you're getting a lot of stops in that scenario. Well, the Ravens, though, they like to run the ball, too. They do a lot of things well on they, they do a lot of things well. It is super fascinating to see how Lamar Jackson has taken another step on this one. I mean, he has always been an elite quarterback, but a new offensive coordinator has changed things a bit. They're throwing the ball quite a bit, you know, dropping back and trusting it. Protection is good. And, uh, Lamar's doing a really good job with it. And uh, you can just see that they've just shifted some, you know, some emphasis. But uh, they're still a running football team. They're still averaging 140 yards a game rushing. So they're able to mix it really well. And, uh, you know, he, he adds so much. He's, he's, he's rushed 70-something times already, you know, so he's a big factor in it. And so, um, you know, we got to see if we can, you know, we can keep it under wraps. Yeah, as Pete Carroll said, he's 74 carries, 380 yards. And... We've talked about this a little bit 
leading into past games, but as well as the Seahawks have played on run defense, probably the biggest struggle has been some of the mobile quarterbacks. And, you know, nobody's gone off for huge numbers, but some of the bigger gains have been scrambles, plays break down. We saw Daniel Jones was really about the only offensive Giants had in that game when he scrambled. Um, even last week, P.J. Walker had a few successful scrambles. So this is the best running back they've seen so far. That's going to be, you know, Bobby Wagner talked about that. All the defensive guys have pointed that out. This is a big challenge to make sure that, you know, you're not only trying to contain a really good passer, but a guy who can take off and run at any time. Well, and you talk about a really good passer, 70% completion percentage. That is the third best in the league. Here's the other thing that is different in this scheme. He is getting the ball out faster, we're talking about Lamar, than he has ever done before. He used to be about three seconds to get the ball Mm -hmm. out. He's now at like 2.4, 2.5. I know that half second doesn't sound like a whole lot. It's It's actually huge. (laughs) And Bobby also talked about that this week. You just have to make your reads quickly. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have a whole lot of time to dissect what they're doing. Yeah, no, it's a tough challenge in a lot of ways for this defense. So this will show us a lot of, you know, they've done a lot of really good things over last month, but this is going to be a good test. Well, and they are also one of the best teams in the league when it comes to red zone play, both on offense and on defense. They have the third highest red zone conversion percentage. That means scoring touchdowns Mm -hmm. in the red zone. Same thing with their defense. They are the third best in the league at keeping opponents out of the red zone. Did Seattle solve any of their problems last week? You know, early on, it looked like they just marched down the field and got two quick touchdowns against a great defense. Um, It obviously was a bit more difficult after that I do think the turnovers have really skewed kind of the red zone production lately and that you can't just forget those those are huge plays but if they can get that other game if Gino can clean some of that stuff up they have been you know moving the ball pretty well even in these games they haven't been as good in the red zone so get rid of some of those turnovers especially in the red zone and I do think this offense has taken some steps I like they've gotten a little better on third down in certain situations I they're not there yet but I think they're trending the right direction again with the caveat of those turnovers, got to go. Well, it, but it's also interesting how the turnovers are being created. For Gino, it's been six interceptions. Um, he had 11 all of last year. It's uncharacteristic to a point, but also. Seattle is not running the ball as much as we Mm -hmm. thought they would. Pete Carroll points to third down conversions last week, just four of 12. But also, if you take a look at the passing game, and again, we thought it was going to be tough to pass on Cleveland because they've allowed the fewest passing yards in the league. John, they average 6.6 yards a play. Now, that's that's run and pass. That's Mm -hmm. just across the game. But. I don't. I think. I think some of that takes care of itself if you start running the ball more, right? Because Gino's not putting the ball downfield and taking those deep shots. Yeah, I mean, you still want the explosive passes to be part of the offense, but that's Pete Carroll's point: is they need to run it more. And it's not. I think he's less worried about the run to pass ratio. Is if you keep converting on third down, and stay on the field, you're going to get more chances to run the ball and kind of get that effect on the defense. I, I do think he said something like creating those opportunities. You have to yeah. manufacture the opportunities. Yeah, if you just the opportunities. run into heavy boxes on first and second down, that's how you end up with a lot of three and outs if, if teams are yeah. geared up to stop it. Yeah, uh, I mentioned deep shots. Gino taking chances downfield. Look, he is really good at that. John, have you seen this number? And this is next-gen stats, and I very rarely dive into these. Also, it should be next-gen, like J-E-N, not G-E-N, like generation, but I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, These next-gen stats, Gino is sixth in the NFL in deep shots. He is 13 of 29 on those attempts for 383 yards, three touchdowns. Flip side of this, you go back to that Ravens defense that you're going to face. 
They've allowed a passer rating of 19.7 on deep shots with as many completions as interceptions. That would be three completions and three interceptions. So you're saying it's going to be hard to throw it deep. I'm saying maybe running the ball. Might help. Would be a good idea. Yeah. Geno Smith has been healthy. The Seahawks are pretty healthy. But you know what? Around the league last week, five quarterbacks left the game with injuries. There's a few more teams on a bye. So we're going to turn to our fantasy football expert, Scott Engel, to help you fill in the blanks and help you win the week. Thanks, Jen and John. Four teams are on a bye in week nine. But I have some fill-in and streaming options that can help you win your fantasy football matchup. The San Francisco 49ers, Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Denver Broncos are all off. If you need a running back, you can consider Zach Moss of the Indianapolis Colts. Carolina ranks 31st in fantasy points per game allowed to running backs. Even with Jonathan Taylor coming on in recent weeks, Moss is still producing. Both Indianapolis running backs are good starts in Week 9. From the Seahawks... If you're looking deeper for a running back start, consider Zach Charbonnet. Because of the buys, we won't have Christian McCaffrey, Travis Etienne, Jameer Gibbs, and Javante Williams this week. Charbonnet is a good fantasy football fill-in for Week 9. The Ravens rank 19th in fantasy points per game allowed to running backs over the past four weeks. Charbonnet is averaging 5.8 yards per carry this season. Sleeper and wide receiver Brandon Cooks of the Dallas Cowboys in that featured game between Dallas and Philadelphia. He has scored touchdowns in two consecutive games. Philadelphia has allowed the most fantasy points per game to wide receivers. You're going to continue to see the production improve from Brandon Cooks. Garrett Wilson, if you're in a tough spot where you have to decide whether to start or sit Garrett Wilson, you definitely play him this week. The Chargers have allowed the third most fantasy points per game to opposing wide receivers over the past two games. If you haven't realized, Garrett Wilson has 25 targets and at each game he is 90 plus yards in each of the last two. Dalton Kincaid is a must-start fantasy tight end. He had his breakout game last week. Five of seven receptions for 85 yards and a touchdown. If you're also looking to stream a tight end, consider the versatile Taysom Hill, who qualifies a tight end on most fantasy platforms. He should be a good, versatile option against the Chicago Bears. And a quarterback, stick with the Saints, Derek Carr against The Chicago Bears, Chicago ranks 29th in passing yards allowed to quarterbacks. For more deep plays, check out my latest column on Seahawks.com on the Fantasy Insider tab. And also check out more of my work at thegameday.com and my lineup rankings on rotoballer.com. Back to you, Jen and John. All right. Thank you, Scott. So when you look at this game, John... How many different places have the Seahawks gained confidence in the last couple of weeks? Boy, I mean, I think it's, to me, it's all, I don't know, it's hard to say, because I think there's been a lot of confidence all along, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And again, the turnovers, you can't just gloss over because they're very real and they have a big impact. But I do think they feel like that's maybe an easier thing to correct than if you just can't throw the ball, you can't run the ball, et cetera. But I think the defensive side of the ball, it's just been a week after week growing confidence of 
you showed you could do it, you know, going back to week three, week four, you start playing well, and then it's just the repeating it over and over again where, you know, as Bobby Wagner said, it starts with the run defense. They've been good there all along, but the pass rush has been heating up. You're, the coverage keeps getting better, and I think, you know, getting Witherspoon in the mix and Jamal Adams being back, just getting that secondary full strength has been a big deal. So, I mean, last week's game, the numbers weren't quite as good, but you take away – a few penalties that extended drives, and that could have been another great game for the defense. So we're not going to sit here and have a debate on officiating, but there were definitely some chances to be off the field quickly in that game that turned into long scoring drives. So I, I just feel like the defense all in all is feeling like their confidence is just growing every week. I don't think the Seahawks are the only ones who are in that conversation about ways they could have gotten off the field. Mm-hmm. I'm going to point to the offensive side of things, and I'm going to say the fact that JSN and Jake Bobo yeah. had touchdowns in back-to-back weeks. First of all, you could not find two more different styles of players. You could not find two different guys when it comes to how they were acquired by the team. Mm-hmm. Yet you need both of them for different reasons. I love that fact. I also love that for as many moving pieces as we have had across the offensive line, yeah. There's been chances to keep the offense on the field. Let's go back to this Baltimore defense, 31 sacks. That's the most in the league. And uh, yards per play, uh, it is the best in the league. They allow just 4.2. Yeah. No, it's it's a tough task. <laughs> and you did march the full length of the field against the Browns. Yeah. That is really tough to do. It's going to be really tough to do again this week. But I, I, I think that that's where maybe they've gotten the most confidence because yeah. I don't think the talent on defense has been in question. I think the room for growth on offense is the talking point. Yeah, That's just me. Right now, we are going to pause for a word from our presenting sponsor. Statistically, the world is losing color. Just consider all-white kitchens, beige baby nurseries, a sea of gray cars. But in the hundreds of destinations Delta flies to, you can rediscover color in the bright blue waters of Hawaii. The emerald green hills of Scotland, the berry pink cherry blossoms of Tokyo, and so much more. Sometimes opening your world is all it takes to open your mind, which is why when you fly Delta, your potential takes off when you do. Delta, official airline of the Seattle Seahawks. You know the name I did not mention, and I just kind of glossed over offensive line talk? Can we please talk about Jason Peters for a minute? Yeah, 20th year in the NFL out there getting it done. And I love how we talk about a 41-year-old as if they're almost dead. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to believe he's doing anything at the age of 41, right? <laughs> we won't say how old Golly, we are. That's right. Nor will I tell you, it does not get any better, Jason, when you get out of bed in the morning and you feel sore. That's just the way that it goes. Without playing a football game. Yeah, I, we're just going to leave that for his own surprise to find out in the next few years. It's been awesome to see. Yeah, I, he is still moving guys off the ball. Yeah, no, it's I mean, he played really well in that game. And it's it's good also just to see him kind of get that reward of, you know, he's been on the practice squad for over a month and he's been, you know, getting himself into shape, but also being a big leader of that group. You, you know, you've seen it after practice some days. The last people left on the field are Jason Peters and all these young tackles. And he's doing work with them, showing them little tricks, little tips of how to deal with pass rushes, things like that. So He's been very involved, so for him to get that reward and get out and play is nice to see. He also does that in-game. Yeah. And he is an extra coach out there, and however he communicates that, and he's talked about this, Mm -hmm. Charles Cross can take exactly what he says and put it into practice immediately. Mm -hmm. And and for 
the name uh, Miles Garrett to not be mentioned until the fourth quarter yeah, of last week. That was that was pretty impressive. Yeah. Give credit to Charles Cross on that one. OK, I'm really just buying time because I don't know what two things I want to see from the Seahawks this week. Like, I feel like I want it to be this big, not mysterious, but just like I want something more than the obvious. I'm not coming up with anything more than the obvious. What do you got? Well, I'm going to start with the really obvious and just get rid of the turnovers on offense. I want a turnover-free day. Okay. That's, I mean, we've okay. seen they've survived it the last two okay. weeks. They, they've had five turnovers and won the last two games. That's not going to be a repeatable formula on the road against a team as talented as the Browns. Okay. And then if you want, you want to. Yes. I mean, that's usually how we do this, just, John. How many years sure. have we been doing this together? We just established this at the beginning of the podcast. We also established we're getting old, so my mind sometimes <laughs> goes on me. No, um, <laughs> we talked about the, the the running quarterback earlier, and I just want to see him limit that damage because I think this defense is plenty good to stop the run, more traditional running back run game, but I, I don't want to see Lamar Jackson beat him with his legs. Okay, I'm going to go running game but I'm going to take it See, slightly different. You. I knew you, I knew you were big on that this week. Yeah, I'm big on that. Uh, defensively, look, I'm sure that that uh, Baltimore is going to get its carries, but under four yards a carry again. Even if you could drop that a little bit lower, because uh, there were some of those plays where you, the explosives that just shouldn't have happened in the middle of the field against Cleveland. So your awareness should be up a little bit more. Uh, less than four yards a carry. I'd like that to be closer to 3.5. And for the Seahawks, they're coming off a season-low 17 rushing attempts. Yeah. We talked about why that was the case. They were getting yards through the year, but, man, I'd like to see that go back up towards 25, 27, or 30 in this game, especially knowing just how opportunistic this Ravens defense is. Absolutely. Great. I'm glad you signed off on those. I came up with something. Yes. You came up with something. That's about all we got for today. We'll see you next time on the brand new edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast. <laughs>